What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast is presented by my delightful and important and vital Patreon members where you can become a member by going to patreon.com slash Chase Thomas Writer. Again, that's patreon.com slash Chase Thomas Writer. Become a member, make a $5 a month donation. It's like a cup of coffee a month, just like a, any other subscription to the New York Times, the New York Post, Slate Magazine, the Chase Thomas Podcast we're all one and the same. That's what people are saying. And you can support the show by doing that today. It would be great in continuing to put out as much content as I am. Because guess what? I'm doing seven pods a week, sometimes more. We are doing interviews with pro wrestlers, former NBA players, NBA GMs, coaches, college coaches, college ADs. We are doing movie reviews on Sundays uh, that you can find with Musee and Thomas. Every single Sunday, we're reviewing a different movie. Uh, Monday through Friday, we're getting NBA, NFL, college football, Major League Baseball, team beat writers. You're getting pro wrestling analysis. You're getting the sports reporters. Reporters. What is it? I don't even know. America's favorite sports writers? I think that's what we're calling it. On Friday with some of the best sports writers and sports thinkers on the internet today. We are doing all this every single day. New content every day. You know what else I'm doing every day? I'm writing every day. You can read my Monday uh, Atlanta sports column. That comes out every Monday. On Tuesdays, you can read my Monday Night Raw recap. On Wednesday, you can read my Impact Wrestling recap. On Thursday, you can read... Hold on, let me check my notes here. I'm not sure off the top of my head. I'll come back to it. On Friday, the Friday mailbag. Um... Oh, I know what I'm doing on Thursday. We're doing the AEW Dynamite review. On Friday, we're doing the Nobody Asked Mailbag, like I said. Maybe that'll turn into an actual mailbag. If you would like to send uh, those, you can do so by going to emailing me at chasethomaspodcast at gmail.com. Um, you can read my SmackDown recaps on Saturday morning. You can read my newsletter that goes out every Saturday morning. We'll eventually have a tiny letter or Substack uh, once I get that pesky P.O. box, but I will update you all soon and then uh sunday volunteers yeah every saturday guess who's in knoxville me guess who'll be covering tennessee football tennessee basketball for the next several years maybe ever me falls go go read my stuff um you can read all of it at chase thomas podcast.com i would highly encourage you to check it out chase thomas podcast.com slash page hyphen 11 where you can read all my stuff get access to all of my episodes all that good stuff Go to Apple, subscribe there, leave me five stars, leave a review, help the show continue to grow and move into that top 200 permanently on Apple Podcasts, subscribe on Spotify, tell a friend, share the show. This intro is three minutes long. That's entirely too long for an intro. Too long. And I just did a long pause. I don't know why. All right, Uncle Darren, let's go. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, we're back on the full ride Thursday edition. Um, my name is Chase Thomas, 
And I'm up here in Knoxville, Tennessee. And down there, in Dacula, Georgia, fellow UNG alumni, Matt Green. Matt, good evening, sir. How are you? Good evening, sir. Down here in Dacula, Georgia. All right. I don't want to be spreading misinformation, but I'm I'm doing lovely. Um, lovely. Excited for another uh, another weekend of college football. Yeah. Um. This we're in like we're very close to just the jam packed weekend. Action's coming back soon. Six games for them. Yes. Uh, very excited about that. Um. But yeah, we're we're very close to the Big Ten. I I want the Big Ten back. Honestly, like I I very much enjoy Big Ten football. I like it more than the Big Twelve. I wish the Big Ten was the one that came back more than the, like a lot of people like the Big Twelve stuff. Big Twelve's fine. But uh, I prefer more of the, the seeing the heavyweights in the Big Ten. Are you more of a Big Ten watcher or Big Twelve watcher? That's a that's an interesting um, question you just proposed. Actually, I was just thinking about that. Uh, I feel like there's usually more quality teams in the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's usually like a solid four or five that are like top fifteen teams or so. But the Big Twelve, it does seem to be like the most exciting one to watch. It's just like these three touchdown leads in the in the third and fourth quarter are just never safe. The Big 12 is just it's it's the wild west. I just don't know if that's something I enjoy. Like it's the same thing all over the place. Like I don't know if that's I don't like the uniformity there. I I think I need need a little bit of variety and the Big 10 gives me variety. And I also just take the Big 10 heavyweights just more seriously than I do the Big 12 heavyweights. Why is that? What is what other than Ohio State I guess I guess when you just compare Ohio State to Oklahoma, yeah, Ohio State's superior. But right. after and then that, you to Texas and I think Penn State, like I think Penn State's Penn, a much better program. Yeah, I guess so. Maybe Wisconsin yes. is a more trusted program than Michigan than Oklahoma State. Like, yeah, and you start comparing Michigan, who who'd be the fourth best program in the probably Big Twelve? Iowa. No, in the Big Twelve, after oh, you Big get 12. past Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma State and uh, Texas, uh, TCU probably. Yeah, it's a little bit of a drop off there. Yeah. So, and you don't really I don't have know, West Virginia. I don't yeah. know. I don't know. I just the Big Ten. I just think is more interesting to me. And seeing Minnesota make it to this next level, I don't know. I just enjoy Big Ten football a lot more than I enjoy Big Twelve. And I was thinking about that, and I was like, I that's what I really miss right now. I miss watching the heavyweights in the Big Ten. I hear you there, Ohio State. Uh... I love pulling against Ohio State every weekend. It just doesn't feel the same watching college football and not rooting against uh, Ohio State to lose to someone they're a four-touchdown favorite to. They could go number one in recruiting six years in a row, and Georgia fans would still be like, they don't belong. They they, they just don't have that SEC speed. They just don't They don't have it. They don't have what it I mean, that was – that. to be fair, that narrative was accurate. For they won a, a national title. And it, I, it was accurate for a period of time there. I that, guess. But then once once Urban got to Ohio State, he he uh, he changed the way Ohio State won a title. Of course, but it, that that team won a title with such like a an overachiever kind of like what? They I don't, were they the were, best college quarterbacks of all time. They that, weren't a dominant team. Not they put they out, oh, they put the out all kinds of NFL talent every but year. Yeah, but. You remember that 2002 team? They they won like four or five games like on the final in like the final minute. They had that Purdue where they converted that like fourth and long or something to win the game. It was like they that team had like a magical season that they just Georgia like barely, lost at home to South Carolina. I mean, I'm not saying the 2019 Georgia team is better than 02 Ohio State. I don't or, know. I just think Georgia fans just think that they're. I, I just don't. 
I don't get the animosity towards Notre Dame and Ohio State. Like, I, I don't, don't get it. I don't think it's an indictment on, like, Georgia fans. I think it's, it's a Georgia. A, I mean, it's because of no, where it's he grew SEC up. it's an SEC thing. Yes. I don't know. It's It was true there for a minute, though. Ohio State, you just they just run through the Big Ten, and then they'd, get, they'd play one of the big boys in the SEC, and they would just get blown by. Like, I think, obviously, it's probably just the 06 and 07 national championships that set that entire narrative because, you know, that's kind of how narratives work. You know, it's not really true. It's just kind of a feeling you have. But um, there was definitely a period there where Ohio State was falling behind. And I feel like Urban Meyer got them back into that, getting the elite players from just all over the country, getting a lot more players from the South. It kind of seemed like, I feel like Urban Meyer got Ohio State back to just being like the elite of the elite. And now Ryan Day is just keeping them going. Yeah. Um, well, thank you for listening, folks, to this episode of The Full Ride. Uh, you can find us on com. You can follow me at Thomas. You can follow Matt Green over there at Matt, double, uh, Matt underscore W underscore Green. Um, go check out com. Subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. Um, what are your uh what are your weekend watching plans matt how are you uh because we do have to talk about something off air uh in terms of this weekend but um how are you how are you planning out uh your week this week well uh like you said it all depends on if we uh if we end up uh the rival fan base is going at it uh between the hedges if we uh we happen to partake in that game so uh but no, I'm really excited with uh, just the the early games. Um, I think we'll get to that uh, when we do. But like Florida Texas A&M and Virginia Tech, North Carolina, I'm really excited to see. I feel like we're going to learn a lot in week, we're calling this week five, we're calling this week six, but in the third week of the SEC season and the just the big teams start, start, uh, start, the, start learning something about all these major conferences because – these first couple games, you know, we don't we have a small sample size, but I think we're gonna learn a lot. I really I'm excited for Florida, Texas A and M at that noon. And then we got Georgia at three thirty, and that's where I'm gonna be locked and loaded, uh, Georgia, Tennessee, and then we uh we got some good ones at Clemson and Miami at night. So it's a it's a solid spaced out schedule of college football for me this weekend. Yeah. Well, it's it's going to be good. I'm excited for this slate. This is a uh, another another positive good weekend. It's not a full plate. We're not getting. We're still in the appetizer portion of the college football season, but um, I like where we're at. Um, do you have the picks in front of you? Where are we at heading into our our picks? So the listeners know where we're at going into tonight. All right. So going uh going into tonight against the spread, uh, you are twenty three and seventeen. Uh, and I am 21 and 19. Mm. But uh, overall, I am 27 and 14, and you are 25 and 16. So you have a two-game lead against the spread. You're the one making people money out there. But mm. uh, I got a two-game lead on just who's getting those doves. Mm. Well, that will change this weekend, hopefully. Um, bit of news. A lot of stuff popped up this week um, that I want to get into before we get into our picks this week. Uh, Bobby Bowden, 90 years old. It's kind of crazy that he's 90, right? Like, he doesn't feel like he should be that old. If he's 90, how is Lou Holtz 90? Really? I thought he was 90 when he was done coaching. I feel like he was at Florida State for like 45 years. 
I don't but, know. But uh, yeah, yeah. It, is he older than Vince Dooley? Um, yeah, he's got to be right. And he was coaching like twenty years after Vince Dooley. That's why I just don't. I don't. I don't know. The math doesn't work out to me. Vince Dooley is eighty-eight. Okay. Okay. That's wild. I don't know, but um, yeah, he is in the hospital for COVID nineteen. Um, hope for the best. Well, thoughts are with the Bowden family. Speedy recovery. Yeah. Um, always scary, but especially at that age demographic. So, fingers. Now you dropped a you dropped a Terry Bowden uh, nugget uh, in uh, one of our podcasts when uh, talking about Lynn Bowden. Mm-hmm. Give a shout out to the Bowden family. Is he still co- is he still coaching Akron? Who's coaching Akron now? Who who's a zip yeah. coach? I thought Terry Bowden was done years ago. No, and that's Terry Tommy. Bowden- Tommy is no. done. Tommy's the former Clemson coach. He's done. Terry is the big guy. He's the one yeah, who's been the, coaching on he, Akron's sideline for the last couple of years. But, so okay, so he must have made a comeback. He I didn't did even know South Alabama. Okay, so okay, so is Terry Bowden still around? Tommy Bowden, he's not coaching anymore. I don't think so. Okay, well, uh, all the best to Bobby Bowden. Yeah, Good Florida State. Uh, Florida State could use Bobby Bowden right now. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I yeah, he they could use a lot. Um. The LSU game. So there is a hurricane coming in this weekend. It doesn't look good. And obviously that it's kind of gearing towards Louisiana is very scary. Um, they've just dealt with this way too much. And LSU, their home game against Missouri has been moved to Mizzou. And I believe Georgia Southern's game got moved to the away team's location as well. Um, scary stuff. 2020, of course, that we have hurricane season now upon us uh with this football season but uh yeah lsu game now going to be played at missouri does that affect stuff for you um i i wouldn't think so uh i think lsu's got way too much for missouri they're well already with already the limited capacity crowd i mean i guess there's still a home field advantage but uh i think we know how good missouri is and you're gonna act like as a tennessee fan missouri's a, a quality football program right now but no no disrespect Look, Connor Basilek is a uh, a stud and when he's moving around in that pocket the way he was on Saturday not many teams not many programs in the country can keep that kind of containment and keep him from getting downfield and Tennessee is one of those rare programs that have the the speed and the secondary and the the discipline up front to ensure that uh, Basilek could not uh, do what he's going to do to other programs who are not as prominent and powerful and just uh otherworldly like the Tennessee Volunteers. Like uh, like I said, there's a there's a reason LSU's uh more than a two score favorite to win this game. Whoa, I think spoilers. Spoilers. I think, I think they'll uh oh we sorry, sorry, we don't want to jump the gun there. Yeah. But uh yeah, but there's a reason why LSU's favored and, and I think they'll take care of business. Trey Lance done with his one game showing that changed everybody's mind about where he should be uh selected in the 2021 nfl draft um it is a bummer that we're not going to get uh north dakota state and oregon that would have been just a lot of fun and the pressure that they would have put on oregon on the road um i probably would have picked north dakota state in that game i think they're really good and that they're just an fcs power and it would uh it would not have surprised me if their offense just uh ran all over uh, Oregon and outperformed them. So it's a, it's a bummer that we don't get to see that 
Um, but Trey Lance entering the draft, he uh, he's done. So it uh, he ends his uh, season or his time at North Dakota State without an interception. So that's got to be a record. No, I think he he threw an interception in that game, didn't he? Does that count? <laughs> I guess. I mean, they played. Um, they did play a game. It was just funny, like his response, like his answers after the game. It was just like it sounded like he was trying to have a normal like quarterback interview. Like, oh, you know, I'm just just excited we got the win. I don't know. It's like you're just supposed to say, oh, I just we're, we're just focused on this game, and then we're uh, gonna get prepared for next week. He just like couldn't say any of those like cliche answers. It was just it was a uh, such a weird just a weird game to be played. I, like, did we learn anything about this guy from, from what he did against central Arkansas? Did I say, Oh wow. He hit, look at how he moved against central Arkansas. This guy's definitely a top 10 pick. Like, I, I don't know. I, I was confused by the premise of this game to begin with. And I was glad I, I got to see this guy play a little bit, uh, a little bit more this year, but I mean, it was strange that he, uh, they, that they did it to begin with, but I'm glad he didn't, I'm glad he didn't get hurt or anything. Nothing, nothing, catastrophic happened but yeah i mean he i guess does he look like a top 10 pick to you it's not to me it's just it's what's gonna happen like the, his stock can't fall and he's in every mock draft you look at he's gone top 10 he literally can't hurt his stock anymore so he's he's going in the top 10 it's happening it's gonna happen yeah um i don't know i'd be nervous um but you see how the current north dakota state starter in the nfl is bearing so you got to do it you got to pull the trigger on him um, that's true things are going great with carson wentz um i think he's third worst in the league in catchable throws and the first two can you guess who is number one and number two in the nfl right now in uh worst uh percentage in terms of catchable throws per pff oh is mitch trubisky up there he is number two yes bench oh um <sighs> It's not Dwayne Haskins. It is Dwayne Haskins. Oh, two for two. Yes. Both benched. So Carson Wentz, right? And his percentage. Very close. I feel like Dwayne Haskins got too quick of a, uh, too quick of a pull in my opinion. Like gave the guy a first round pick. You got to see what he can do. Yeah. Well, I think they're trying to make the playoffs because of how bad the NFC East is. And I don't think they're willing to. So who's, Who's the quarterback now? Kyle Allen, University of Houston Cougar legend and former. Uh, Kyle Allen, I was thinking. Texas te- A&M Aggie. That's what I was thinking. Texas A&M, that's the same guy. It was there with Kyler Murray? Yes. Okay. He ended up at Houston. Okay. Yeah. So good luck with that. He's supposed to be better than Dwayne Haskins. We'll see. He's probably better than him this year. Like the upside is the the question. Like Dwayne Haskins has been objectively bad. I've watched almost every one of his throws this year. Like Dwayne Haskins has sucked. Um, if Alex Smith can get healthy, that's that's probably the answer there. Um, USC getting ready to come back. Their offensive lineman Bola Tucker will be back. So their offensive line, like that Keaton Slovis offensive line, and just group around him should be great i i have questions still about that defense the todd orlando defense that uh clay helton is running um out there in southern cal but uh the offense gets a much needed offensive lineman back uh for keaton slovis to build off his surprisingly impressive season last year i'm still kind of stunned at how good he was yeah, without a doubt i um you would assume losing the starting quarterback first game of the season Things aren't going to go well, but uh, I was definitely impressed with how slow. I mean, he looks like a 
he looks like a first round pick type of quarterback. He just he seems like he's got everything. All right. Well, this is where I hand it off to you, Mister Matt Green, because you are introducing a new weekly segment that will be will be covering every Thursday. This will be on the Thursday show. Oh, um, if I'm being honest, I didn't know this was a weekly segment. Oh, this is not a weekly. We'll just try it out one time. Okay. We'll see. Um, we'll see how it goes. No, no, no. You got to commit, Matt. The, you you got to commit. This is a Thursday special. It's a Thursday special. All right. So what we're gonna do. We're gonna take a little stroll down memory lane for SEC football fans. The year is 2012. You got Mark Rick roaming the sideline for Georgia. You got Will Muschamp in the swamp at Florida. The old ball coach in South Carolina. Do you know how? Do you know how many current SEC coaches were actually uh, at their current program in 2012? Chase. Hmm. Let me think. Uh, 2012. How, 2012. How, uh, I'm gonna say two. The answer is one. It's just Saban. Nick Saban, the only one. So it was the year the year before four coaches got fired that year. So it was the year before the uh, the Gus Malzahn and Mark Stoops era I started. Say, I, I was going to say Mark Stoops. I, I really yeah. thought it was Mark Stoops. He yeah. started the next year. It was the year before the Butch Jones and uh, Brett Bielema era started. Um, Georgia finished fifth in the AP poll this year. South Carolina eight, Florida nine, Vanderbilt 23. All in the East, along with Alabama, number one, Texas A&M, number five, and LSU, number 14 in the West. So why am I bringing up 2012 to you? As a Georgia fan, is one of my most heartbreaking years when Chris Connolly caught the ball on the four-yard line, SEC championship. Georgia was that close to playing their game for the national title. So why am I bringing up this year to you, Chase? I'm concerned it has to do with Georgia. It does not. A little bit. But uh, 2012, the last time the SEC East was better than the SEC West, Hmm. in my humble opinion, sir. And I think 2020, the SEC East will be better than the SEC West. If you just look at the – just looking at the teams right now, I have no idea what is going to happen in the SEC West. Obviously, you know Alabama is the cream of the crop. Every other team in the SEC West right now is one and one. Who who is the second best team in the West right now? Is it LSU who lost pretty easily to Mississippi State? Is it Auburn who got manhandled by Georgia? Is it Texas A&M? Like maybe they just lost to Alabama and they're actually better than everyone else in the West. Maybe they lose to Florida this week, but they write the ship and go eight and two because those are the two best teams they play all year. Those two could be the two teams in the SEC championship. Is it Mississippi State, Ole Miss? Like, we really have no idea. Whereas I feel like in the East this year, Florida appears to be a top five team. Georgia appears to be a top five team. Tennessee, I feel like I was very impressed with how they handled Missouri last week. Obviously, Missouri, it was. it just says something because – the South Carolina win, I feel like, didn't necessarily tell you much about Tennessee. That was kind of the way they won a lot of games last year, kind of scraping by and finding a way to win. That the, the Missouri game was just was dominant. And so Tennessee is looking like they're on that upward trajectory that we were all expecting. Kentucky, they are 0-2, but 
I mean, they just had some bad luck and could have won either of those games. So, and then South Carolina is obviously 0-2 and Vanderbilt and Missouri are both 0-2, but Vanderbilt is always going to be what hurts the East the most when you go top to bottom because they're basically the worst in the SEC. But I think when you talk about the top four or five teams in a seven-team division, this is the, the SEC East is stronger than the SEC West in 2020, in my opinion. I like this segment. It is weird. We just it, it it's something that we haven't really thought about that much. It seems like as a, it's just crazy that the East is as top heavy as it is right now. Like it's just crazy the disparity between South Carolina, Kentucky, and Vanderbilt and then the top of the SECs. Oh, and Mizzou. I feel like I I feel like I put Kentucky as that middle team. I okay. feel like Missouri South Carolina Kentucky's and the middle team and Missouri falls in that bottom 3. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But the disparity is insane. In the West, it feels like it's Bama and then everybody else. Yeah, exactly. And I have, I have some stats for you. Since 2009, from, from 2009 to 2019, the West was 107-59 against the East. They straight dominated. So in the 2018 was the first time that the East has beaten the West head-to-head in any of those years. So things have been starting to starting to lean the East's way. Because obviously Bama, if you're just talking about the seven teams, Bama's just so good, it kind of usually weighs things to the West side. But I think there's three or four teams, and I just we really have no idea what to expect from LSU and Auburn this year. So that could that could definitely change the opinion once everything plays out, but for LSU to lose to Mississippi State and Mississippi State turn around and lose to Arkansas, I just I have so many questions on what's going to happen moving forward. And then this week, the only two East-West matchups we have are Florida at A&M will be a good one, and then LSU-Missouri is the only other one. So not the, not the best judge of East versus West when you talk Missouri versus LSU, but it'll be interesting. Good work, Matt Green. I appreciate it, sir. This is good. I like this. Um, well, I don't think it's going to change. I think this is going to be the case this year, and it might be the case for the next couple of years. Because if you look at the landscape and recruiting and where these programs are at, like, I don't know. I don't see how that changes. And I'm looking forward to the East being this way. I, I was growing tired of just the, the hodgepodge there. And I'm glad that South Carolina's in the decline. I'm glad that well, Missouri's it, in the decline. I'm glad Vanderbilt is literally just back to the Bobby Johnson era of Vanderbilt football. Like, it is good stuff. Tennessee fan, and, like, pencil and in if it wins happens, every year. If it happens, you're going to be definitely the most, uh, ha- the happiest person because it's, bas- it's contingent on Tennessee getting back into that elite tier because if if florida georgia and tennessee are all top 10 programs at the same time i mean that's gonna then basically be like the last decade or so has been with the west alabama lsu and auburn yes or and it, and it even changes some years where mississippi state is, was really good and texas a&m was really good so it'll be it'll be interesting it was south carolina and georgia and florida had a period there in the early part of the decade where they were the top but I think we all know how inconsistent uh, Georgia and Florida were at that at that time period. Yeah. All right. Well, are you ready to get into our pick on this week? Are you ready, Matt Green? 
I am. Um, one last thing before we get to the pick em, mm-hmm. I just I just want you to know your boy, according to Sportsbook, your boy Stetson Bennett is ninth in Heisman odds. That's oh. all that's all I'm gonna say. Okay. That's all I'm gonna say. Okay. He's not winning. And just the for the record, like, just he's for not the winning the Heisman. We got we got Trevor Lawrence, Kyle Trask, Mac Jones, Justin Fields, and De'Aaron King as the top five for the Heisman uh, odds Wait, at this point. That, who, do the order again. Trevor Lawrence, Kyle Trask, Mac Jones, Justin Fields, and De'Aaron King. Mm. I mean, if you're getting fourth best odds for Justin Fields, I feel like you need to jump on that right now. Yeah, that's true. I, I think there's going to be voter fatigue. I don't think Lawrence is going to get it. I don't think. Yeah, we'll want to see. It it's just because it's just because the ACC. It's what we talked about, like being a Clemson fan. It, it how how much fun is it week in and week out? Just because you just pretty much dominate everyone you play. I feel like that's kind of what happens with those kind of players with the voters. It's like to have those Heisman moments, you have to play in the big games that everyone's anticipating. They come down to the wire, and you make a big time moment to win it. Those kinds of things, and you know, Miami's obviously it's a big time matchup this week, but. Well, um, I feel like there's just not enough, not enough data points, I guess, if another guy like Justin Fields is, is playing in big-time ranked matchups, Big Ten Championship against another top-ten team, things like that. So I, I don't know. We'll see. If, he, if, if he's just dominant, there's definitely – I feel like there's almost – it seems like people will want to like give Trevor Lawrence votes – as like a career accomplishment, kind of how like they did back in the day with Heisman votes. It was like, Oh, you know, he's been around a while. He's a great player. He deserves it. Mm. Instead of giving it to the best freshman or sophomore back in the day. But who knows? Trevor Lawrence is obviously a great player. He could be, I mean, he's obviously the best quarterback in college football. Like he's the most valuable person in college football. Like he should win it. Like there is no, like I I threw a lot of picks and stuff. So like, I mean, I wasn't perfect. He's not per- like he's Trevor Lawrence is just like mastered college football though. Like he's just he's he's not gonna get any better. Like he's just of course. Shoot. But Joe Burrow, I mean Joe Burrow had like the most amazing season of all time. So it's True. like Joe Joe Burrow is obviously gonna win the Heisman. And then but I don't the think there's a Joe Burrow in front of him so this year. Like, I don't think there's someone there. Like I guess Kyle Trask is the best shot. Are you sure, man? Everyone is telling you that Kyle Trask is this year's Joe Burrow. I feel like I've heard every single pundit say that. So yeah, I disagree. Hop on Kyle Trask. Joe Burrow is literally right away getting the Bengals out of the dungeon. Like if you're watching the Bengals at all, like the offensive line that he's playing behind right now in Cincinnati is illegal in 13 states. Like it should be a felony to put Billy Price in that offensive line out there in front of Joe Burrow, but uh, he's making it work. And I don't think Kyle Trask is doing the same thing. I think Kyle Trask is really, really good. I think he has improved and it's kind of insane just how good he is. But um, also a real shame. We're not going to get Derek King versus Kyle Trask this year. That is something that I would, it would be like Florida, Miami, not playing every year. We, we need that every year. We need Florida. Um, like it just, what are we doing? I miss Rex Grossman's of the world versus the Brock Berlin's of the world. Brock I, need Berlin. To I do remember that. That was a great game. It was a great uh, game. I remember it. <laughs> I um, do. Devin Hester uh, blocked that punt when they played in the Chick-fil-A Bowl that yes. one year or turned it for a touchdown, got like the taunting penalty. Florida Miami's good stuff. Yeah. Just do it. Bring it back. Um all right. I mean, at least play Central Florida. Like, Central, yeah. someone needs to be playing Central Florida to knock these guys down a peg or two. Or maybe they are the best best program. You right. at least need to play them to just 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 settle things. 
I agree. Like, all the Florida schools should be playing each other. All the Texas schools should be playing each other. Like, Texas A&M, Texas not happening on Thanksgiving anymore is a travesty. Bring that back. Like, that's ridiculous. Colorado, Nebraska, that needs to always happen. Like, Col- like Mizzou, Kansas, the fact that that just stopped is well, the insane. Florida, the Florida one is tough because they got Florida State every year. So, it's like, it's. I wish it's like the SEC would just go to, like, everyone has, like, one out-of-conference rival or something because – so many teams lost that when they like I will have to eat to East. I have the teams in the East have that ACC rival. They play at the end of every year. So it's like Texas, Texas A&M would fit perfectly into that. Missouri and Kansas would fit perfectly into that. So it would be a, uh, it would be nice if we get those traditional rivalries. It'd be tough for Florida just to, to have Miami and Florida state under conference every year along with playing an SEC schedule. That is, have that you is seen a lot. Florida state lately? That's true. We know what Florida State's been. I guess, yeah, right now it wouldn't really be much. It'd be like the same as having Jacksonville State on your logo, I guess, or on your um, exactly. schedule. That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't think it's a concern. Um, I don't know. I just think college football would be better off if all these schools played each other. Um, are you ready to get no, no, no. into uh, this week's pick Yeah, let's do it, man. All right. Do you want me to, like, how would you like to do this segment every week? Would you like me to lead this portion or would you like to lead the pick'em? Oh, I can lead the pick'em for us, sir. Okay. So, um, well, drum roll, uh, please. To get things started off on the noon slate, we talked a little bit about it earlier. Perfect segue into what we were just talking about, the Florida Gators. Going into Kyle Field. Very, uh, Kyle Allen Field, sir. Kyle Allen Field. Not, I don't think so. It's uh, they're six. Florida's a six and a half point favorite on the road. They're currently thirteenth in the SEC in defensive yards per game allowed. Ninth in the SEC in points allowed. They're also third in the SEC in offense, uh, offensive yards per game, and second in offensive points per game. What are your thoughts about Florida, Texas A and M? I don't think Texas A&M's defense is as bad as what they looked like in that Alabama game. I think Alabama's going to make a lot of teams look like that this fall. I don't think that's a good indictment on them. I think they still just have too much talent to be that bad. Um, I just think the offense is broken. I think as long as Kellen under center, there's just some real limitations there. And um, Florida's offense is... You could sell me on Florida's offense being the best in the country right now. Like the combination of the Kyles and then uh, Mr. Tony who's a new guy for them. That's just going to be a problem for everybody this fall. Uh, Texas A&M just can't score enough. Like that's going to be their problem all year is I think the defense will improve, but I think the offense cannot as long as Calamond and this group is under center. And I think Jimbo is going to have to make real changes this offseason with the way that offense works and bringing in a fresh, they need, they need their Rhett Lashley like Miami brought in. Cause it feels like Dan Enos is running that uh, Dan Enos or you know what it is. Is it a coincidence folks? that the tight ends coach at Texas A&M, James Coley. Is it a coincidence that the offense is sputtering with James Coley in uh, college station? <laughs> Probably not. Uh, were you not aware of Kadarius Tony before this year? I didn't think – so Florida gets these guys a lot where like we – like the Percy Harvins where I, I don't – they have these guys all the time and – I just never 100% know if they're going to utilize them. Like, do you remember how many of these guys they had in the Muschamp era and the McElwain See, that's era? what I was going to say. I feel like I feel like that's why Florida fans love Kadarius Tony because he seemed like that throwback mm-hmm. 
to the Chris Rainies and the Jeff Dims, and he kind of moves like that. Like, he's so quick, and he just so explosive. But he's had injury issues, and I don't know if maybe it was an issue with how he's been used early in his career, because one of my best friends is a huge Florida fan, and I feel like this is the guy he hypes up every year. Like, Kadarius Toney is, like, that guy. Like, he's going to just be off. He's our, like, secret weapon just to use him all different kinds of ways. And you just still have yet to see the production. I think he had one touchdown all of last year, and a big play guy like that has got to score touchdowns. Like, that's what he does, you know, break stuff and go to the house. And this year, I feel like you're finally seeing some of those big plays from Kadarius Toney. And if if you can, if he can turn those screen passes into 40-yard, 50-yard games, like, that's, that's what Urban Meyer era of Florida was doing, you know. And so he just adds a whole other element to their offense because obviously Kyle Pitts has been – unguardable so far this year but um i think this game this is jimbo fisher's crossroads honestly Mm. in in my opinion like there's a chance like like we just uh alluded to a little bit earlier like florida's ranked fourth alabama's ranked second right now you can lose to these two teams go eight and two no shame at all that's a brutal schedule you know but if they lose these two games are they going to write the ship like that? Like maybe like I, I always say Kellen Mond's like the greatest garbage time quarterback of all time. Like as soon as this team's down three touchdowns in the fourth quarter, he just, it's his time to shine. He's going to start <laughs> balling out. So maybe what their season, they just know they have nothing to play for early on. We're four, we're three, four weeks in. We know we're done. Maybe Kellen Mond just starts playing loose and starts balling out and they run the table and go eight and two. I don't know, but I just I know. I exactly. And I just know Jimbo Fisher is getting paid so much money. I've never heard a coach's contract talked about as much as Jimbo Fisher because this is not what they're paying for. They're not they they went through the Kevin Sumlin eras every year where they looked promising and finished eight and Kevin five. Kevin Sumlin's been more successful. He went to the I mean, he at least got to the SEC title game. He at least had Well, an that's exactly that what I'm well, he never, no, he never got to the SEC title Wait, I game. I thought Manziel got there. Did they never get there? No, that was uh, that was the 2012 season. I was uh, I was going back to. They finished ranked five, but they Here, played in the Peach Bowl. That's they what it played was. it exactly. They played Duke in that Peach Bowl where That's Johnny Manziel yeah. made all those plays. But but yeah, they they finished like top five. That was the one year where they were they were uh, they finished the whole season and they had a a good season. But all the other years, it's like they seem to start five and zero. Oh. And then I, I think it was literally a stretch of like four or five years in a row where they finished exactly eight and five. And someone was actually good. The SEC West is brutal and eight and five is not that bad. So it's kind of like Georgia firing Mark Rick for Kirby Smart. It's like, yeah, what you're doing is good, but we want more. So Texas A&M, it's like, yeah, so, someone was good, but you're supposed to be competing for SEC titles. And if you go ahead out and get smoked by the two two of the three best teams in the SEC, well, then we know how far away we are from our ultimate goal. So I uh, I think they're truly at a crossroads this week, and I, I'm definitely picking Florida to to win and cover the six-and-a-half-point spread. Absolutely. I am uh, I am right there with you, sir. I think it could Florida be close, points. but I think I'm no, seeing Florida not. not even like a one-possession game, maybe like no. a 10 or 14-point win. I think it might. I think it's going twenty plus point one. I think they're blowing them out. Oh wow! This Florida offense is one of the best in the country. Like they're just going to put a bunch of points up. Like they're going to jump on them. They're like who in Texas A&M? Like there's not anyone until Florida runs into Bama who can defend Tony and Pitts. 
Like, I don't know who on their schedule. And Georgia, excuse me. Georgia is definitely right there because I think you can make the case Georgia is the best defense in football right now. Um, I don't know. I just think that this is not going to be a problem for them. Florida is legitimately good. They're legitimate playoff good. And uh, Texas A&M is not. I think they're going to they're gonna boat race them. All right. So um, moving on. Also at noon, we have a battle of ranked teams in the ACC. Virginia Tech comes in as a five-and-a-half-point underdog to North Carolina. How do you see this one, Chase? Hmm. So I'm not the I'm not a North Carolina believer. I don't know where you're at. I, I just think that they're solid. I don't think they're as good as people think. And you know what? I think Virginia Tech's better than North Carolina, and they're not even fully healthy. Give me Virginia Tech. Not only are they not favored in this game, which is just crazy to me, because I think they've shown more than North Carolina has at this point. Um, I'm a bigger Hendon Hooker guy than I am Sam Howell guy. I I think Virginia Tech goes into North Carolina and wins outright. Give me North, give me Virginia Tech and the points. Well, um, I feel like I might just be wasting my breath because I would literally repeat almost everything you said. I feel like this is probably the most overrated team in the ACC yes. versus the most underrated team in the ACC. Mm-hmm. And I, from what I've heard, Hendon Hooker is supposed to be back this week. Yeah. And I would assume he's going to start because they were not getting good quarterback play out of the other guys that were playing in his absence. And they're the number one rushing team in the ACC right now uh, behind Khalil Herbert. I'm uh, also taking – I was honestly – I was kind of surprised that it was this big of a spread because I think Virginia Tech is better. So I'm I'm going to take them to cover the points, and I'm going to take them to win outright. I like this. I like this. Where are we going next? And now we're going to a once historic rivalry. <laughs> it is still a great it's rivalry. It's never a good start. It's lost a little bit of its luster this year. It's still a great rivalry. The Red River Shootout, the Red River Rivalry, I think is the PC way that we're calling we're it. We're not doing that on this podcast. We're not calling Red, it the Red, Red River. River Shootout, like yes, the cocktail party. Is. Are we just calling it that? Yes. We'll have to dance around it. No, absolutely so not. So the Red River Shootout, Oklahoma comes in unranked. It's got to be for the first time. I should have that stat for you. It's probably the first time they've come into this rivalry unranked since like, what, 99? Yeah. But uh, so Oklahoma's unranked. They're a one and a half point favorite over uh, over uh, Texas. Noon start on Fox. What do you What do you think? I can't believe I'm doing this. I think I believe in Sam Ellinger more than uh, more than this Oklahoma offense and defense right now. I think there's more talent this year on this Texas team, and I think I trust veteran Sam Ellinger more than I do Spencer Rattler. I think they're like something that we, I don't think put enough consideration into is like Rattler's a five star. They're just going to plug him in. Lincoln Riley has just been plugging in veterans year after year, like Jalen Hurts, Kyler Murray, Baker. Like they have been conditioned to just put like these transfers and everything else that like they, they haven't had to develop someone on the fly like this. Like Spencer Rattler is not in that category. Like he's going to probably get there. He's shown a lot of promise. He's going to be good, but like he's not good yet. And we just assume that Lincoln Riley, like these quarterbacks, would not have to go through a steep learning curve. Like they just haven't been in that situation the last couple of years in Norman. Sam Ellinger is in year 19 at UT, and 
He's still really good. I still like Sam Ellinger a lot. And I think Texas actually plays Lincoln Riley pretty well. They beat him two years ago. Um, I think Texas actually wins here. Give me Texas. We're, uh, I'm starting to worry, man. We're agreeing a little bit too much so far. Oh, no. Um, well, we know how you feel about uh, Oklahoma. And <laughs> I um, I think that is what it comes down to because I think it's a big 12 game. So we kind of we all assume it's going to be a shootout. And who is who do we talk about every single week? It's just awful. The worst team in the Big Twelve. Wait, say it again. Who's the worst team in the Big Twelve? We say it every week. Oh, it's just, Kansas. Kansas. Kansas is the only team in the Big Twelve that has a worse turnover margin than Oklahoma so far. Ooh. Oklahoma with the freshman quarterback turning the ball over. I think I think that's what's going to cost them. Ultimately, and I think Texas wins like a 45-41, that type of a game. So, yeah, I'm taking Texas as well. We're, uh, we're three for three so far on a, on a green. I'm not sure how I feel about this. So we'll see if this changes up. Uh, two of our darlings from uh, early on in this college football season, also a noon. We got a great noon slate. I don't mm. think I realized how deep it was. Going to the Sun Belt, the Sun Belt <laughs> Conference. The uh, Chanticleers. Oh. They come into, uh, I don't know what stadium, uh, for the Raging Cajuns for mm. the University of Louisiana. Louisiana is a Something's got to give, folks. These are, uh, I feel like this podcast has become a Billy Napier fan club mm-hmm. podcast, basically. We've been, we've been loving them all season. These are two of the Big 12 killers, uh, but... The team at Coastal Carolina beat, as we just referred to, the worst team in the Power Five is Kansas. I don't put that much stock into that win over Kansas. He's the only two unbeatens left in the in the Sun Belt. Give me the Raging Cajuns in the six and a half points. I'm, I think Raging Cajuns win, but I think Coastal Carolina covers. Okay. I think this is going to be like Louisiana plays everybody close. Like they play down, they play up to Iowa state and they play down to Georgia state. Like, I think this is uh they like to keep things interesting. Billy Napier, just a consummate professional. He wants to always uh, keep his Sunbelt brethren in the game. So shout out to him for making it uh, interesting at all times. So give me them to win, but give me uh, coastal Carolina to, to cover. Okay, moving on. Uh, the last game of our noon slate. We got uh, the ACC. NC State goes on the road at Virginia. NC State is a nine-and-a-half-point underdog in this game. And personally, my stud of the week last week, we talked about Devin Leary, four touchdowns in the big win over Pitt. This is their third straight road game for, uh, for the Wolfpack. I think they're... I think they're used to it now. They're road-tested, road warriors. <laughs> Nine-and-a-half-point underdog. I'm taking the wolf pack. What say you? We're going to disagree here. As a Bronco Mendenhall disciple, Virginia, if you go back and watch a lot of that Clemson game, they play Clemson pretty well, as well as you can play Clemson with the kind of talent that Virginia has. And I like their quarterback this year more than Perkins last year. And I think the defense is still really solid. Um, I think this is the classic NC State getting a little too too confident and i know you're a little bit too much of a believer in tim beck in that offense so give me 
Virginia Tech to win, but give me NC State to cover. Okay, so you're going UVA with the win. I am going UVA, sir. Keeps it close. Okay. All right, and um, I'm going to deviate from from our list here because I feel like that is ultimately the game of the week. So mm-hmm. I'm gonna we're gonna do that one last. So I'm gonna substitute next. Next, we're going at a 3:30 kickoff. We're going back to the Big 12. Who the hell knows what's gonna happen this week? I don't know which team is gonna show up. We got Texas Tech coming into Iowa State. Iowa State is a 12 and a half point favorite. I just I have no, I have no idea what's going to happen. I just don't know who's going to show up in the Big Twelve week in and week out. Twelve and a half points seems too high. Like I don't feel confident about it, but I'm thinking someone's going to start to emerge in the Big Twelve at some point, and I'm thinking Iowa, Iowa State is going to do it this week. They're going to kind of put their ring name in the hat that maybe they are in the chase, that they are one of the best teams in the Big Twelve. So I think they do it. I think they beat. Uh, Texas Tech by over 12 and a half. What say you? I think this is the hardest one to pick this week because I could see Texas Tech blowing them out. I really could. I could see Texas just because Brocktober. I, I don't know. Like Brock Purdy is just so hard to to figure out. Like he has been objectively awful this year and he has been objectively good. And it seems like Texas Tech is just, they can plug in starter, backup. Is, is Bowen playing in this game? Do we know? Is Alan Bowman playing? Let me see. I don't know. I'm going to look this up because this also determines how I feel about this. Uh, He's day-to-day still with his injury, so we don't know if he's going to (sighs) play. Alan Bowman's very good. I am a big Alan Bowman guy. I... (sighs) I don't want to do this. (laughs) I don't want to do this. But I think Texas Tech wins outright. Give me Texas Tech. Texas Tech. I feel like I'm honestly going to be kind of mad if Texas Tech wins. I'm not at Iowa State. Because I'm just going to have no idea what's going on at the Big 12. Yes. Give me – I think this is a – I think Texas Tech wins this. Give me Texas Tech. Do you remember – one of my favorite games of all time is uh, the Seneca Wallace run against Texas Tech, like 17 years ago. Ran back like – he ran like 40 yards for like a 12 yard game. Yes. <laughs> yeah. He probably ran like 80 yards, honestly. I highly encourage the listeners. If you have not gone back and watched that play recently, please go back and watch Seneca Wallace score on a 12 yard run, but also run all over the plate, like a hundred yards to get that 12 yard. Run. It's, it's one of my favorite college football plays of all time. Seneca Wallace. That's a throwback right there. That's probably what? Oh, three, Oh, four. That's if a- you look at the picture quality, it's at least Oh, two. Like it's yeah, uh, yeah. not great. Cliff Kingsbury, I think, was at quarterback for Tech in that huh. game. Cliff Kingsbury, he he pretty much started the uh, that was like the start of the Texas Tech tradition with Kings, mm-hmm. uh, Cliff Kingsbury. All right, so then we go to four o'clock on the ACC Network. This is a game that I'm very intrigued by this week. Chestnut Hill, <laughs> Boston College, I, six and a half point underdog to the Pitt Panthers. What do you say about this one? So after laying an egg like Pitt does every year, Pitt just, they do this to themselves. They can't, Pat Narduzzi just, he can't help himself. He can't just have like a really great Pitt year. He's got to make it 
awful for all Pitt fans. We're like, are we good enough to like really have a special season? No. You can go nine and three and you'll like it. That is the Pat Narduzzi special. Um, they're not losing back to back. I think this Pitt team is very talented and I think they're really good this year. I think they just do the dumb Pitt thing every year. I think Boston College is building something special. I'm a jerk cove guy. I'm a Halfley guy, but I think North Carolina is a is not in the same place that Pitt is and Pitt's defense. I, I trust a lot more. I think Pitt wins and Pitt covers here. Pitt wins and Pitt covers. I um this is a cl- this was a tough one. Both these teams lost close games last week, but uh, I find myself liking Boston College. I think. Oh no. Um, I don't. I don't know. I think it's maybe I'm drinking the the Jerkovic Kool Aid. I don't know, but uh, I I like Boston College at home as the five and a half point underdog to get the win. Oh, you're predicting just win. Oh yeah, Boston College. I'm a believer, man. No, I don't know if I'm a believer, but I this week I don't I don't feel super confident in it. I will say that, but um, I liked how they looked last week. They fought hard, and uh, I think Boston College will surprise someone this week. Okay. Next week, moving on. Two of the uh, two of the giant killers in the Big Twelve facing off. This is one. This is one that I was excited about. So just so that we can learn, you know, piece together the picture that is the Big Twelve. TCU hosting Kansas State, and TCU is actually a six and a half point favorite in this one. I feel like I'm drinking the Max Duggan Kool Aid, man. I, uh, I I feel like he's he's the new Sam Ellinger in town in the Big Twelve, and uh, he's gonna they're gonna get it done. And I'm sorry, this is this I said that wrong. This is eight and a half, not six and a half. I'm taking I'm taking TCU. I, I love TCU. TCU, I think, and I just, I love Gary Patterson. Like, I'm a big Gary Patterson guy. That's who I thought Georgia should have hired after they moved on from Mark Rick. Like, just throw whatever he wants and uh, bring in Gary Patterson. Um, mm. That's honestly who Texas should just back up the bearing truck for. Like, it, if you move on from Tom Herman this offseason, just whatever Gary Patterson wants, just just do it. I feel um, like Texas has too big of an ego yeah. to, like, go get TCU's coach. But uh, that's what I would do. Um, TCU, I think, is... This line surprised me more than the other line. Like, Kansas State's been, I think, kind of underrated now. If you just remove that uh, Arkansas State game, it was the first week, week zero. Like, it was just a weird game. And they're figuring stuff out. And they're rolling. I... It's going to be hard to tell these two teams apart, purple and silver. That is something people have got to be wary of. Very similar uniform combination. It looks like a uh, like a scrimmage. The yes. spring. Um, give me TCU at home, but I think Kansas State covers. I think this is going to be a close game. Okay, so you're taking Kansas State to keep it close. Yeah, this I I don't feel confident about this. Every every week we got to like weigh our confidence on these picks and the pick them. And I'm just, this one's going to be low. I, I just, the eight and a half was a tough number, but I am taking TCU. Um, and then, uh, and then we move back to the sec. This is one I'm interested in two teams coming off losses, Kentucky hosting Mississippi state and Kentucky's a two and a half point favorite. Mm. 
Right now, Kentucky's got the number one rushing offense in the SEC. Mississippi State's got the number two rushing defense in the SEC. Something's got to give. I think the Wildcats get it done. Get the first win of the season. What do you think? I think this is a season from hell for Kentucky. I don't think they win here. I I really don't. And I think this is one of those Mississippi State's going to be very mercurial. They're going to go back and forth. They're going to win games they shouldn't win. They're going to lose games they shouldn't. Starting off with two road wins at Kentucky and at LSU seems very Mike Leachian. Um, I think KJ Costello is going to bounce back a lot. I I think is Kylan Hill playing because he was sat he was he was hurt last week and that was a that I'm, I'm not sure if he's playing in this in this game. That matters. Um, but with that being said, I think <sighs> give me Mississippi State to win and uh, obviously cover. And then guess what? Kentucky gets to travel to Knoxville the following week. No, so that should be an easy dub. That'll be a They're get just, right game for him. It's gonna be bad, bro. All right, and then we got college game day this week. Coming to your city. Uh we they got to bring Clem- that back. No, they still do it. Do they? And they come in, take all Satari. Oh yeah, they do it. I feel like I never hear that anymore. Oh yeah, that's my favorite part, man. It's it's a little different since uh, like from what it was years ago, but I feel like they upgraded it because uh, to get like the current teams, the current big time teams. I don't think I don't even know if Bama and Clemson were even in the song like when they first did it. I don't. But think so. um, but those uh those late '90s years weren't Bama and Clemson weren't uh, weren't where they are currently in college football. But this week's site of game day is Clemson. And this will be one of the two good teams Clemson plays the entire season. Throw in my shade. Uh, Clemson is a 14-point favorite over 7th-ranked Miami. What do you think about this one? So this is where one of those weeks where I really hate Clemson. You have those weeks with Alabama where you just want them to make things interesting. You really want someone to really challenge them. You really want to see somebody like make them sweat. That's why we love the Johnny Manziel appearances against Bama. We love the Ole Miss crazy games against Bama. Chad Kelly, Swag Kelly doing his stuff. I don't think that's happening with Derek King and this Miami team. I think this is where they run into the the roadblock. And uh, I think not only does Clemson win, I think Clemson covers. Yeah, I think um, right now Miami is seventh in the country in points per game. Mm. So I feel like their defense is getting a lot of height. But the offense has actually been really explosive with De'Aaron King. And I think I think De'Aaron King does enough early to keep him in it. I feel like I see this being like a, I don't know, maybe like a 21-14 halftime kind of game. And then Clemson kind of opens it up and it ends up being a, 41, a 41-20 kind of game that Clemson just kind of wins easily. So I think Miami will, will give them a game for two quarters. But I think ultimately Clemson's going to gonna win easily all right the game of the week and then the true game of the week 330 cbs that prime time slot brad nestler and gary danielson this line is offensive we got this line is absolutely offensive is this line offensive it's extremely offensive well um i guess the line you're referring to is the 330 CBS, Georgia is a 13.5-point favorite 
over the Tennessee Volunteers. Go ahead, give it to me. What are, what are your thoughts? I'm going to let you take the floor. We're going to learn a lot about Jarek Garantano this week. We're going to learn a lot about Garantano. We're going to learn just how good this offense is. We're going to learn to see how dirty George is. Like, what does Kirby do to go at Cade May's knees? Like, what uh, what is he? Why would Kirby do anything dirty? What is this? I'm a little concerned. How would that struck it from the record? I'm a little concerned about the targeting that they're going to do at Cade May's. I'm a little concerned. I'm a little little concerned. Georgia, but, uh, Georgia would never. Kirby would never. I don't know. Nothing. I I just don't want Nick Fairley type stuff out of Georgia this week. That's all I ask. Hey, that's Auburn. You know, you gotta ask Auburn about that. We don't, Georgia doesn't play that. But but keep going, sir. I didn't want to derail you. Georgia's secondary is extremely good, and part of what's been great about Tennessee through two weeks is that Josh Palmer's been involved early. They've gotten. Um, Hyatt now he's going to be really good they bounce the ball around like Garantano is not just targeting Marquez Calloway and um Juwan Jennings anymore like he's not just he doesn't have his safety nets he has to go he has to bat the ball around you got Chandler who just more of an uphill right down the middle type guy and one of the under talked about things of the Auburn Georgia game was that Bigsby was really good like Bigsby had a really good night against Georgia and he's going to be a star for them it didn't matter. <laughs> and I wonder with Eric Gray being the best offensive weapon on Tennessee, if that's the same kind of deal where he has a really good game for Tennessee in this game against uh, Georgia. It just doesn't feel like it matters because Garantano struggles so much and Garantano runs for his life. But the Auburn offensive line is a joke. And Tennessee has the best offensive line in the conference right now. And when you have five 300-pound guys, four five-stars in the offensive line, and the left side is just Cade Mays and Trey Smith, like, I I just, I'm very interested to see what how many guys get home and how often they get home on Garantano. Because if they get home on Garantano a lot, I think you're going to see a lot more of the third-down failures that Tennessee had the week prior because Mizzou never got home. Garantano was, he was fine. He could take a nap in the, <laughs> uh, when he was dropping back. He had, he had time to throw he, I'm curious if he will have time to throw in this game. I'm curious to see how Georgia attacks this this front because they've never gone up against a front like this. And this is what's going to separate Tennessee from the middle of the pack to, oh, this team can win the East this year, is if this offensive line is good enough to really keep the best SEC defenses from getting to Garantano and making him have to do these quick decisions and have to run out of the pocket and throw it away and do dumb stuff fumble in the end zone, whatever it is, like if they can do avoid that, that's huge. Um, on the flip side, Henry Totoa is going to be going after Stetson Bennett. They're going to have the guys to get after Stetson, Bryce Thompson in the gaps. Like Stetson's not gonna be able to do a lot of the cute stuff that he has been able to do the last couple of weeks. And I think he's better than I thought. I think Stetson Bennett's a legitimately talented dude. Got a little bit of it, Baker Makefield in him, I guess. Um, but I don't know. I, I really think this is going to be extremely close. I think there's no question Tennessee covers. The fact that it's going to be pouring down rain, probably good for Tennessee that this is going to be this kind of style game because I think you want Stetson to have to, the way he plays, play in a muddy, dumb game where he has to um, really improvise a lot if the Georgia offense is going to get the ball moving because guess what? They're pro- we saw what they did against Kentucky last year in the, the pouring down rain. I understand the Monk and offense is very different, but I am wondering how Kirby 
game plans against Tennessee in the mud. And uh, if they think that they can just run up the middle with uh, Zeus again, because that's not happening. Against so you think a bad weather game is a good thing for Tennessee? I do. I think a bad weather game, then Tennessee, if both teams become one-dimensional, it's all about running. It's like Georgia's got the most elite run defense, I feel like, in college football right now. Like Tank Bigsby looked good, but he also had eight carries for 31 yards. Like, I mean, this guy. But he was catching stuff out of the backfield. Yeah, he had he had seven catches for sixty eight yards. That's what I'm receiving. saying. Like he's more yeah. of an all purpose guy, and that's what Eric he did Gray make is. Some plays in the in the receiving game, but I feel like if this game, if 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 Tennessee has to be one dimensional and just run the ball, I feel like yeah, it might be closer than the spread. But I don't feel I don't feel like there's any way they can beat Georgia. I like like that's essentially Georgia's. But this is what I'm saying. This court. comes down to the offensive line. Like Tennessee's offensive line is good enough to get Chandler and great 200 yards with ease every game and i'm curious if jordan can I think, stop them i don't know i think t- tennessee will definitely have more success running the ball than auburn did i think their offensive line is leaps and bounds better but this georgia front i mean what they were doing last week with just with just a four-man front i mean they were basically playing you know eight or nine guys just all over the board jalen carter as a true freshman trayvon walker as a sophomore jordan davis Jordan Davis might be the best defensive lineman in all of college football, honestly. Jordan, that dude takes two or three blockers every single play. Jalen Carter, this guy is a straight-up freak. I feel like they looked unblockable last week against Auburn. And and maybe just Tennessee's offensive line being that much better will will uh, That's the counter, game. cancel that out. But Bo Nix is also... Bo Nix is better than Jarek Warrantano. He is not Jared, better than that. Is not Jared true Warren at all. That's not true. That's simply not Nix true. What is the evidence that Bo Nix is better than Jarek Garantano? He had an entire. Garantano has not lost a game in eight week in eight like a year and a half. Who have they beat? They've beaten South Carolina twice. They've beaten Missouri twice. They've beaten Vanderbilt. They've beaten Indiana. What they they've beaten no good teams over that eight game stretch. Okay. Like I'll give them okay. that they finished last season strong. That they prove that they're Garantano not. Garantano has shown more in the last year and a half than Bonix has ever shown. Like he just has. Bonix was re- objectively bad. He was sailing balls. Like Jared Garantano is dropping buckets this season. Like dropping buckets. Bonix is missing dudes. He gets bailed out so much by Seth Williams going up and making crazy catches for him. But no. Garantano is legitimately a better quarterback than Bonix in 2020. Bonix might be better than him in a year or two, but he is not better than him right now. There's no way. You're not better than the from the Vols. You're not better than Falls from. I feel like I feel like Bo Nix is what Jared Guarantano is supposed to be, honestly. No, it's like they're both kind of that they have minimal I mean, I feel like honestly Bo Nix I feel like has more athleticism than Jared Guarantano. I feel like Jared Guarantano is not even close to being as accurate. Not even close. Is he not? I mean, they're, I feel like their numbers last year were We're not pretty... talking about last year. We're talking about the last eight games. That might be true. Guarantano has improved, but I think Bo Nix, the athleticism that Bo Nix has is why they kept, Auburn kept it as close as he did. I mean, if you, that he was running for his life all game. Like Adam Anderson, I feel like was in the backfield every, every play against uh, Auburn and, and he's probably our fourth best pass rusher I feel like he was just a specialist just running in there and disrupting Bo Nix and I feel like Bo Nix was running for his life I can't 
I can't say Bo Nix isn't good after watching the, the Georgia game. You because can say it after watching the Bo Nix Florida game. You can say it after watching the Bo Nix Bama game. Like there, he was a true freshman. I mean, he was a true freshman last year, and that t- playing in the SEC West, and you play Georgia and Florida, and you played Oregon at a conference. I mean, that's like the most ridiculous schedule like of all time. What did they play? Like eight top fifteen teams or something last year? Like seven to top fifteen teams? Like. Auburn has had a ridiculous schedule since Bo Nix has been there. And I feel like I got to at least give this guy some credit for how he was running around, just trying to like do something because their offensive line was just getting blown up the entire game. I think Auburn, or I feel like Tennessee, I just don't know if they're going to be able to run the ball on Georgia's defense. And if you're wondering why there's a 13 and a half point spread, it's because Georgia's won the last three games to Tennessee 122 to 26 combined. Different teams. Yeah, but those aren't... I don't like stuff like that. Those are different teams, but those are some big... I mean, it's like an average score like the, of Those like teams did not include four or five stars on the offensive line. No, they Tennessee is included an all-American linebacker. They didn't include just the level of depth this Tennessee now ha- the team ha- has. Like, it's just... It's different. This this is like the Butch Jones year where Josh Dobbs and uh, he connected with Juwan Jennings on this play. So let me run it back. Jacob Eason... Um, had a dime downfield. Georgia thought they won, celebrating. Then they gave Tennessee great field position for whatever reason. And then Tennessee dropped back. Uh, we, Georgia got the penalty for the dude, Rico McGraw, running onto the field with his yeah. helmet off to celebrate that touchdown. You love to see it. And then we know what happened after that. So I'd highly encourage people, if you've not watched it back in the last... And you know what years. that game was? That game was the peak of Tennessee football over the last decade versus the rebuilding year for Georgia first year head coach. And it took a hail Mary at the end of the game to beat him. This this is the best defense Kirby has had in his time at Georgia. This defense is just, they're rowdy at every single level defensive line. They play about eight deep linebacker. They play about six or seven deep defensive back. They they're five or six deep. I mean, Richard LeCount got, ejected for targeting at the end of the second quarter and is you he honestly, out for this game no because it was in the second quarter so it was in okay. the first half so he's out for the first half no he would if you're good if you get ejected in the second half then you're suspended oh uh, that's how it works okay yeah so he was he was ejected for the rest of that game and that was a garbage call no i honest. mean i think they should go ahead and i think he should probably not be allowed to play on <laughs> Ever i don't again. think he should be allowed I think yeah, in Georgia's, terms of safety and making sure that he's learned his lesson, I think you got to keep him out. I think Kirby should I, just not play him. I'd say in terms of depth, that that is definitely the most valuable player on Georgia's team is Richard LeCount because safety is by far the most unproven position. Their corners are loaded. It's just we're not that deep. It's like Richard LeCount's one of the best safeties in college football. So that's our worst position, and we have an All-American safety at that position. You know what I mean? So I feel like this Georgia defense is loaded, and – I think Stetson Bennett showed last week he just he looks comfortable in this offense. I feel like it's essentially like having Jake Fromm with a little bit of mobility. And I feel like that's kind of what Jake Fromm was missing was just a little bit of mobility. And so he doesn't have the strongest arm. But if Georgia Georgia's got one of the best, it's an unproven offensive line, but it's already been one of the best in the SEC so far this year. They've been running the ball well since the second half of the Arkansas game and against Auburn. So I think Auburn traditionally has a very good defensive line. We know they lost Marlon Davidson and Derek Brown from a year ago. So it's it's interesting because I feel like I always know like what 
what Georgia is after they beat Auburn. You know, I always know that that's a legit win or that's an easy win. You know, you always know what they are at that point in the season. At, at one and one and two and oh, it's like we really don't even know what kind of teams Georgia and Auburn are going to be for the rest of the rest of the year. Obviously, we have a better idea of what what Georgia will be, but I uh, I feel like Georgia. I just don't see Tennessee scoring many points on Georgia. I think I kind of feel like the same with Clemson, Miami. Like I feel like Tennessee is going to give them a game. I feel like this is, it feels like a 20 to 13 kind of game going into the fourth quarter that Georgia ends up, ends up maybe tacking on a couple more touchdowns and it's a a 34 to 17 kind of game or a 34, 13, 34, 16 kind of thing. I feel like, I see Georgia winning by by more than two touchdowns. If this was a fourteen and a half point line, I would feel I would feel tough. But I feel like at thirteen and a half, I think Georgia wins by two touchdowns. Mm. Um, next year, hold on. Before we move on, I will say next. I didn't year, get my pick or anything. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'll let you. I'll let you get your pick. I'll let you finish. But Beyonce had the best video of all time. No. Um, Next year, Georgia-Tennessee is going to be college game day. It's going to be the two best teams in the East, in Knoxville. It's going to be like one of the games of the year in the SEC, in my opinion. I think next year's game, Georgia-Tennessee decides the East. I just don't think Tennessee is there yet. And so I think Georgia, it's a close game, but kind of like if you remember 2018, Georgia-Florida. Like that was a close game throughout that Georgia ended up winning by like three touchdowns, like a 19 point win. They kind of put it away in the, in the fourth quarter. That's kind of how I see this game going. Like a, uh, a game that's closer than the scoreboard indicates, but Georgia wins by like 17. I think Tennessee wins outright. Huh? Going with the upset, huh? Also, this is my lock of the week. I'm just going to put it out there. Lock of the week. Okay. You can go to hell, but, um, (laughs) I just forgot to pick one. Also, college football and the SEC should hope for this result. Because if you get... Because do you know when Tennessee plays Florida this year? It's like the last game of the season, isn't it's it? the last game. Early December. That is tight. I like that. Can you imagine if that decides the East? That will, that will be great drama. That's why I'm so irritated with Georgia's schedule. That it's like there's no big games. Like the final like three four games of the year. They're all right here. Auburn, Tennessee, Bama, back to back, and then Kentucky, Florida too. But I'm not forgetting to... that Georgia's playing Bama in the regular season. I, I just, it, it's still not yeah. registering for me that they're playing. Um, and this will probably be the year we beat them finally, you know, and then they beat us back in the SEC championship or something. I mean, that's what y'all so, did. So, there's gonna be some way to downgrade our win. It's like, oh, feel good about beating Bama. Well, they still beat you. Yeah, that's what literally happened to Auburn. The year they should have won the national title. They beat y'all, beat Bama, and then lost y'all in the title game. Yeah, but they lost. They got waxed by Georgia in the... Uh, I mean, yeah, I, I feel for Auburn, but, I mean, they also lost to UCF, too, so... Yeah, because they weren't playing for anything at that point. That I mean, I, I don't blame them for that. The classic SEC excuse, always. <laughs> we didn't even care about that game. I mean, I genuinely do believe... Georgia that. fans have said that, like... if I love it with Baylor and it Texas, because it's it. like when Texas beat them, they're like, oh, we didn't care. When you beat Baylor, you're like, look, Baylor was good. Baylor was... Uh, Fair, it was way different, because Georgia was missing, like, 13 starters or something in that game from all the people sitting out and suspended and stuff for that game and injured. So it was like it actually did mean something because 
when those Big Twelve, when those Big Ten teams play an SEC team or a or a group of five schools playing SEC team, it really is like their Super Bowl. Like they know how the SEC gets talked about. They have to get up for playing the SEC. And usually, when the SEC team is in that bowl game, it's because their season didn't go how they wanted to, and they ended up in Orlando or they end up in. And it's funny now the Sugar Bowl has become like the new in, insult. I feel like the the goalpost is always changing. I feel like as a Georgia fan who gets uh, heckled by rival fans, it, it used to be, oh, great season, have fun in Orlando and the Capitol, have fun in Tampa and Outback Bowl. Now it's like, oh yeah, Georgia's okay, have fun in the Sugar Bowl. It's like the Sugar Bowl used to mean something, but but now it's just a consolation prize to to mean you didn't win the SEC. Yeah, well. I think Tennessee wins. I think the offensive line puts them on the map, and I think this offensive line is legit. I, I really just don't think people understand just how dominant the Tennessee offensive line is, and uh, in a blood in a nasty, rainy, horrible day, I think Tennessee wins on some. I think Stetson has a really bad game. I am betting on a bad Stetson Bennett performance, is what I'm saying. Like when he's airmailing those balls, like he did against Auburn last week, where he's just he doesn't have the arm strength to get it really downfield and i think totoa how many balls did he airmail like they call him the mailman because he airmails like there's like one early i feel like stetson bennett he's uh he's doing his thing man i feel like you're just hating you're just a hater i think it's just time that we accept that tennessee is um on the rise and you say it you can get your sam ellinger on you say it he's got some sam ellinger in him i like it um give give me the balls Give me the balls. All right. Is that it for this week's pick'em? That is uh that is it for this week's pick'em. Going Tennessee outright. Yes. That's a so what you got you got a score prediction? I think this is gonna be low scoring. I think this is gonna be like give me twenty seven twenty four Tennessee. Twenty seven twenty four, all right. I guess my my official score I'll I'll say is uh is 31 31 <laughs> That's my score. Yeah. Well. Good luck. Oh man. I'm excited. Are are we going to this game or what, man? What are we doing? We're going to talk about this off air. <laughs> um a lot. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll talk about that off the podcast. Um now our new segment before actually no let's just go through quickly the other games and if you have any thoughts on these um feel free to mention them and then we'll get into our our new segment before we talk about my favorite uh this weekend ghsa football um actually i didn't do my lock of the week i didn't do my lock of the week in this group um, you didn't do your lock of the week you know what we'll do we'll save the lock of week and the home underdog of the week for all of these so if you have it outside of our actual pick them we can put them there and uh it's fine because it doesn't actually count towards anything it doesn't count towards our ats or our outright no. win so we it was can... just it was just for the game basically you're most confident about yes um all right well i wouldn't want to run through these Tulane plays tomorrow night at houston houston finally gonna maybe play a football game this fall um dana holgerson trying to get his group out there i think Tulane wins there um i'm actually really excited about this friday night game 7 p.m georgia tech hosts louisville and louisville really needs to win tech after that great start really needs to win um i think louisville wins big but uh I'm very curious about this game. I'm excited to watch a lot of it. Um, 
Missouri. Did you know this is only the second time Louisville and uh, Georgia Tech have played each other? Is Ever? Right? Yeah, it seems crazy, right? Last time they uh, played, do you, have, do you have any points these teams combined for last time they played? No idea. 97. What year was this? 2018. Mm. Georgia Tech won 66 to 31. I don't remember. Wild game. Wild game. But moving on. Uh, at 12 o'clock, we got Missouri now hosting LSU. We've got um, Vanderbilt hosting South Carolina on the SEC network in the failable at noon. Can you imagine? Does Will Muschamp survive if they lose at Vanderbilt here? No. I think he's actually going to get fired after this game if he loses. I really do. There's no way. I don't know if they'll fire him during the season like that, but um, I feel like that'll just – this is the one penciled-in win. Like, Or we, we did literally pencil in yes. two wins when we were doing the pick I think you may have had three for him. We got but... crap for it. People – remember the South Carolina? People were like, they're yeah. not they're, – they're, we're not losing eight games. And we're like, I'm with you, man. I think South Carolina is solid, but I'm looking at the schedule and I'm I'm, tr- I'm struggling to find the wins. Yeah. Um, but it's all good. They're getting Billy Napier. Um, I think they'll. I think they'll win. I think the. I think Colin Hill and his and his mullet, if that's what it is, or is it just long hair? I guess I it's just long hair. He'll uh, he'll get it done. I don't think so. I think Vanderbilt's winning this game. We'll really? come back to it. I really think Vanderbilt's going to win this game. I definitely. If I was if I was putting money on it, I would put money on a thirteen and a half point favorite for South Carolina. I think South Carolina would be like to score thirteen. Points. Yeah, they haven't earned that. They're if yeah, I don't. That's that's feels like a a, a ten to seven kind of game. Especially I don't after if it, it's raining all over the uh, the SEC yes. on Saturday. Like then that that a sloppy game. It seems like what Derek Mason wants every game to be a, a nine to six kind of game. Yeah, Syracuse hosting Duke. Duke will fall to zero and five most likely here. Um, kind of crazy. Duke has not been this bad in a really long time. Um, BYU is sneaky good game at 3.30 I wish this was not at 3.30 I wish this was a 10 o'clock game against uh, Mr. Wilson's University of Texas San Antonio that the Roadrunners are very good is BYU is a sneaky good game oh yeah the Roadrunners are good and I think I'm very fascinated to see how these two teams play each other um, so yeah I am intrigued and I think BYU is sneaky great so you um, think uh, you think the Roadrunners keep it under 34 and a half yes I do okay um we have, let's see here, Arkansas traveling to Auburn. Man, Auburn's got to have a good showing here. They've really got to blow out Arkansas. They really, really do. Can you imagine if it's Arkansas... The, uh, the Georgia uh, loser's bracket, I guess, Arkansas and Auburn. But like Chad Morris playing his old team, Sam Pittman already doing a better job than Chad Morris ever did there. Um, I don't know, just a lot of interesting... Uh, yeah, this you talk about Will Muschamp playing um, Vanderbilt this week. I would say the same for Gus Malzahn facing Arkansas this week. If if they lose, lose to Arkansas, oh man, this this wide open year where they might could win the SEC, they they might look at a losing record if they lose to Arkansas. Billy Napier, get ready. Um, Boston College. <laughs> oh, we already did that one. Uh, Old Miss hosting Bama at six o'clock. Um, very excited for this one. I. If Bama's going to lose a regular season game, it's this one at Old Miss Lane Train. It would be the best. Did thing you in the pick world. this? I, I you think... picked this before the year, didn't you? Yes, I did. I think Old Miss is winning this. 
<laughs> Are you picking it right now? The I am. I think Matt Coral. Matt Coral is just a different breed. No. Matt Coral, I love it. Um, give me well, this old Miss offense. Alabama will not punt in this game unless they That's just very want, possible give, too. Like unless they just want to give the punter some practice. It's going to be like, fifty-six to forty-nine. Alabama, no joke, is hanging at least forty-five in this game, and Ole Miss. They're not going to score more than two touchdowns. Oh, on hard disagree. Hard disagree. Ole Miss's offense is tight, but Alabama. This defense looks more like Alabama than the last couple years. I feel like their defense has looked a lot better to me. I uh, I just the prophecy said the prophecy said that Lane Kiffin was going to be the coach to end the Nick Saban assistant streak. Oh damn, man! I would. I feel like for poetic justice, it would be a great storyline. I would just be super salty because that's that's Kirby's man. Kirby's got to be the first one. No, he's not. Kirby, it's already over. Like, go ahead and cross that one off. That's never no, happened. Kirby's the first one that's going to get him without his no, doubt. <laughs> Kirby's, Kirby's never going to get Saban. I mean, think about all his all his ascendant uh, former assistants. Who's got the best shot? Jimbo? No, no like I don't Pruitt. Think it's no, yeah, I'm sure you're. I'm sure you would say Pruitt. Well, Pruitt's too. not even really Pruitt. Yeah, Pruitt, you got Kirby. I mean, do you remember when Kiffin almost beat Bama at Tennessee? They should have beaten him. Crompton drove down the yeah, field the, uh, and they Terrence Cody the field game, goal. right? Huh? Terrence Cody. Yeah, right? he broke he through and blocked field another field goal. Like they should have beaten him. Kiffin plays Saban well. I, I think Kiffin will be the person to do it. I think he makes them I think it's gonna be an offensive coach. I don't think it'll be a defensive coach that beats Saban. Hey, Tyler Bray's not walking through that door, right? Was that was that yeah, who was that there was Crompton. That that was, that was Crompton. I was just pulling it out. Thought maybe that was right. No, Tyler was Bray rock- was Derek Dooley era because they like that was the Derek Dooley time frame with Justin Hunter. Um, yeah. Let's see here if there's any more big ones that we missed. Oh, Notre Dame hosting Florida State at seven thirty. Uh, oh my god, man! Notre Dame Florida State is just an afterthought. Like, yes. oh man, we should How- be excited about this too historic programs this should be a big time deal and it's just not no one cares like notre dame's gonna beat the crap out of them yeah i would assume so Um, 20 and a half point favorite they probably win by three touchdowns that's all i've got on my docket this week um all right uh the last segment before we get into our friday night lights fun time that's what i'm calling it friday night lights fun time um, we're doing a properly rated five. So the power five, and we're doing this based on the coaches poll. The AP poll sucks. I don't care. A lot of people who don't watch a lot of different teams, the AP poll is just not good. Um, the I mean, coaches the coaches have like sports information people fill these out and stuff like that too. Is this more legit? I think the coaches poll is more legit. I think the coaches poll is more interesting to me. And I'm more curious about what coaches think about other coaches. See, and I think, I think the AP, I think you have more people that are watching, trying to, trying to educate themselves on more teams. I feel like coaches are more focused on the teams they're playing and everything. I wonder, I've always wondered this, which, which poll is more reliable. I feel like I tend to go with the AP. Mm, this is where we differ, sir. So I'm going to throw five different teams and you're going to say whether or not they're properly rated right now. BYU 15th. They move up seven spots from 22 in the coaches poll a week ago. Um, BYU 15. Is that properly rated? Well, I'm going to start the caveat of this whole game. 
saying that no Big Ten team should be rated. So right away, the ratings are kind of messed <laughs> up by throwing those like zero and zero Penn State and Wisconsin and things. It's like, who who decided like, okay, Wisconsin's not as good as Auburn, but they are still better than BYU. Like they haven't played anybody. We We literally don't know. But just in terms of where BYU is sitting at 15, that seems pretty properly rated, I would say. I want to say they, I want to say they're underrated, but I feel like they're getting some props for for the actual competition they've played and what they've been doing. They've been straight dominating. Like they're, I for sure believe uh, they're that they're a good team, but I think 15 is is properly rated for them. I don't. I think seeing Cincinnati at eleven, I'm just like an Auburn at thirteen. I don't. That's fair. Cincinnati at eleven. You do this. I'm not sure what makes Cincinnati so much better than BYU. Even North Carolina at nine. I'm like, I don't know how you sell me on BYU on a neutral site losing North Carolina. I just, I don't see what you like BYU. What else are they supposed to do at this point? Um, next up, uh, Cincinnati, eleventh. <laughs> do we think they moved up four spots? They keep moving up, but. It's not like they're just upending teams. They're not just beating the crap out of them. Luke Fickle's team, I don't know. I think they're very solid. I think they're strong. I think the Big 12 not having... Like, the Big 12, when you look at these coaches bold and standings right now, like, they, they could have had BYU and they could have had Cincinnati. They could have had UCF. Like, what are you doing? Just add two of these programs. They're really yeah. good. I I think Army is a legit team, and they're also, like... They're a tricky team to play. It's like that Oklahoma team that uh, was it the year they went to the Rose Bowl and then lost to Georgia. It won a, either that year or the year with Kyler Murray, Oklahoma, uh, Army took Oklahoma to overtime. So I feel like Army's a tricky team to play. So I'm not going to count that against Cincinnati. Um, 11, it feels a little high. But then you see who's behind them. I mean, kind of my bias says that Tennessee and Auburn are probably better than them, but. I guess I'm gonna be boring again. Cincinnati, although CMBYU, honestly, CMBYU at 15 makes me think Cincinnati at 11 is a little overrated. I'll make a I'll make a stance that Cincinnati is overrated at 11. I agree. Um, Texas A&M 20th. Overrated, man. Yeah, they only dropped seven they're spots all, from 13. I don't think they should be. They're only to. still in there just based on where they started, like. I just, I mean, I don't know which teams behind them are better than them per se, but I'm just not a believer in Texas A&M. And then, like we said, this week they got a lot to prove. Like they could completely change the narrative just about the Jimbo era if they lose, if they beat Florida this week. Like that'll just that'll set everything going in the right direction. I just don't see it. I just Texas A&M. It's a, uh, it's not going to be a fun fall this year for Texas A&M. I mean, they're overrated. Georgia, number three. Georgia, number three. They leaped Florida, and that's why I threw this in. I think they are definitely properly rated. Mm. Just because the defense is the best defense in the country. It's just one side of the ball, but it's like Florida's offense has been clearly superior, but they've just been giving up a lot of yards to South Carolina and to Ole Miss. I, uh, I just looking at the teams behind them. I mean, obviously, if we have that whole Big Ten conversation, I would rank Ohio State ahead of Georgia. But right now, just assuming the Big Ten or just pretending the Big Ten doesn't exist, I don't have one team that sits behind Georgia that I think they're better than Georgia. So I think Georgia is right where they should be. 
I disagree. I don't think there's a case that they should be above Florida right now. I just don't. Um, I think they're in the top five. I just don't know what Florida was supposed to do. Um, I mean, giving up giving up eight points a game, Arkansas, that Arkansas win looks a little bit better. And I mean, you gotta you gotta give them some sort of not give them a pass, but I feel like you have to give them some sort of credit for figuring out their quarterback in the first two weeks of the season, the first two quarters of the season. And then basically ever since that, they've looked dominant. Mm. Army, not making it, but getting 51 votes. Does Army deserve to be in the top 25? I mean, I I guess we were just talking about Army. Army's solid. Army, I think, is legitimately good. I don't know why they're not in the top. Like, if you're going to put teams like SMU and UCF still in there and UL Lafayette and Iowa State. I, I don't know. Like, See, I think I think all those teams you 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 said are, are quality teams. I think SMU looks like they're the best team yeah. in the AAC right now. Mm-hmm. And I think I think uh the Raging Cajuns look like the best team in the Sun Belt. So I think both of those teams can make a case for being better than Army. So I I don't think I think Army's solid. I think being on the others receiving votes part of the rankings is probably about where they belong. All right. Um, last segment that we're going to get into tonight before we wrap up here. Oh, GHSA wrote about the Panthers last week. Um, crazy game, crazy game, um, against the Marietta defending champs. Um, a lot of, it's a big week, big week in high school football. As you know, I know Dekeel is buzzing at the moment. Um, Matt Raven County, Three and one on the road, East Jackson. What do you think? Raven County's got the uh, big Gamecock commit, <laughs> Gunner Stockton. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna have to go with Raven County. Mill Creek on the road, undefeated Grayson. Grayson four zero. Mill Creek two and one. Sneaky good game. You might have to make your way over there. Might have to make my way over there to uh, check out some some high school football this week. But uh, you know what? Give me give me Mill Creek. Mm. upset Grayson battle of the private schools this weekend St. Pius hosting Northview um, is Northview I like qual- the- actually is Northview private I'm not sure oh yeah I don't know what you're talking about no Northview is not private no, it's just okay, know, yeah. North Fulton mm-hmm. yeah it's um, it's definitely a public school I'm going to take the Titans the Northview Titans in that one I feel like is Northview any good I feel like they were always terrible when I was in high yeah, school yeah they're bad um, and who would you say they're playing? St. Pius. What's their record? Two and one. Yeah, they'll probably win. But I'm going Northview. Give me the public school. <laughs> Tucker on the road at my Partview Panthers. Three and one. Partview coming off a great win. Um, Just not a believer. Not a believer in the Partview Panthers. Give me Tucker. <laughs> I, I hate Hot you. Take. I hate you. Um, <laughs> I don't like it. Um, why is there a Georgia Force team now? What is this? Yeah, it's like a it's like a homeschool team. Is it's that like what a, that is? Yeah, I remember they started that. I think when I was in high school, I remember. I didn't know they were still doing it, but yeah, They're I think four it's like and a one. It's got like an all star. A little <laughs> like what is happening? Or something. I don't know. <laughs> I did not know this was a thing, but it uh, it is very interesting. Um, I, North Cobb. 4-0 on the road at your North Gwinnett Bulldogs. You're 3-2. How do you see it unfolding? 
look, you don't just come into Tom Robinson Memorial Stadium mm-hmm. and walk out with a victory. Battle of the Norths, Gwinnett over Cobb. Give those Bulldogs. Sick them. Marietta. Can't catch a break. One in three coming off a championship season. Ho- going to Brookwood, who's 4-0 for the first time in a long time. Um, unfortunately, Brookwood sucks. So give me Marietta here. Brookwood sucks. What are you talking about? Brookwood, Brookwood is nasty. That's a rival. No, I I hate Brookwood. I'm programmed to hate Brookwood. I will always hate Brookwood. Hate Burgundy and that gold. Brook, that sucks. Brookwood Park rivalry runs deep. I'll give you that. I'll never um, hate Brookwood ever, ever. Well, then I feel like you just showed your your bias in these. Absolutely, in these folks. There, uh, it is twelve forty on the East Coast, October eighth. 2020 i am admitting wholeheartedly i am biased in my animosity and disdain for the brookwood broncos well they have uh the 10th ranked player in the state of georgia for the class of 22 marquise groves killabrew big time corner he obviously plays like wide receiver and like running back and stuff i think at brookwood but um just a playmaker you know so He's committed to Georgia. They also, I think, have a 2022 or 2023 uh, quarterback that's like started to get big-time offers. So I'm definitely picking Brookwood in this one. Last one, and we'll wrap up here. Um, your hometown, on the road. Rough start to the season for your Tequila Falcons. I don't know how the fiancé is handling this rough start. Um, yeah, the whole town is just a little down, you know? So we'll, we'll see if we can bounce back. Well, guess who you're playing this week on the road. The linear oh, you think, I, you think I don't know who we're playing? I got the schedule up on the fridge, man. Do you really? No, I don't. <laughs> but uh, it'd be funny if I did. But um, <laughs> You actually need to. You need to get Playing the Lanier Longhorns. Uh, I got a soft spot for Lanier. My brother uh, my brother was a, a former coach at uh, Lanier Middle School. Mm. But he's uh, he's moved on to Buford. You know, moved on to the greener pastures. Is that a point? But, um... Say what? Wait, you say who did you say Brookwood or Grayson? Um, no, he was at Lanier. Now he's at Buford. Buford, that's what. Oh yeah, yeah, greener pastures. Yeah, green. Yeah. Green. Uh, oh, wasn't even no pun intended. Mm. But yeah. So uh, I think the Falcons get it done on the road at Lanier. Upset special. Yeah. Who knows? Upset special and uh, apologies to Gordon Central and Fanning County. Big game up there in Fannin County, 3-0 Fannin County, whatever their mascot is. No offense. I'm sure you guys are great. Matt, that's all I got. Do you have anything else you'd like to add before we get out of here? Um, that's all I would like to add. I uh, I hope um, after the result of the, the Georgia-Tennessee game this this weekend that we can still be civil and professional with one another. So, uh yeah, that's 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 my uh, that's my closing piece. I can't make any promises. <laughs> I just can't. Especially if it's a bad game. Like I can't if it's really really bad. If it goes if Jared Garantano goes one TDs, three picks, fifty four percent completion percentage. Then no, um, we we'll probably take the podcast off next week. I or, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. Um, I've I've seen the latest. I've seen people are saying like light showers in the morning, maybe or maybe light showers, maybe nothing in the afternoon on Saturday. We'll we'll see. I just I hope we can have a 
a, a weather-free game, so we're not we're not worried about the weather impacting the outcome of the game. So we'll see. Hopefully, we have a have a clean, well-played game, and uh, hopefully, the dogs come out on top. Absolutely not. Go Vols, Matt Green. Always a pleasure. We will be back on Sunday. Yes, sir. Go dogs. All right, that'll do it for today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. Did you like what you heard? Heard? Did you like what you heard? I think is what I'm trying to say, right? That's what I'm trying to say. That's the correct English. Um, Then guess what? Here's what you do. You go to Apple. You leave it five stars. You leave a review. You let people know why they should listen to this show. You go to patreon.com slash Chase Thomas Writer. You become a member. $5 a month. Go do it. You can do more. I'm not going to say no. Um... Go to chasemuspodcast.com, read all my stuff, chasemuspodcast slash page hyphen 11. It's great stuff. Writing every day, doing the pod every day. Support the best independent sports podcast today. No one's doing what I'm doing. Nobody can touch me. Let's keep this thing moving. Let's keep the lights on. Let's keep getting after it. I'm hyped up. Follow me on Twitter at chase underscore Thomas. Like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash chase Thomas writer. Thank you all for your support as this show continues to grow. We'll be back, yeah, tomorrow. Because guess what? This show is daily, and it's all thanks to you guys. Talk to you soon. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.